Welcome to the Everyday Ultra Podcast, a show designed to help you level up your training, crush your races, and ultimately become a better endurance athlete every single day. Whether you're an endurance athlete as a hobby or someone who wants to be the best in the sport, this is the show for you. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and thank you so much for listening. Now, let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and I want to share an ultra tip that has been awesome in my training over the past few months. And it's a new tool that I've added to my toolbox to help with my performance and recovery during and after long runs and competitions. A number of my clients and listeners have also been raving about this tool now, too, because it's been working wonders for a lot of them and also me as well. The tool is called Play on Relief, and it's an all-natural pain relief spray. It's the first of its kind in the pain relief and recovery space and it's backed by a patented technology that is anti-inflammatory long-lasting and as i mentioned before super effective jordan and eva are the mom and son team behind play on and they are just the absolute best they care a lot about the ultra running community and they even came all the way out to crew me at Havelina 100 in october and right now they're giving you a crazy deal for valentine's day buy one get one free they want more people to experience play on and this is your perfect chance for you and your loved ones to try it out i mean there's nothing better than going out of the run with your partner and then showing some extra love by giving them the gift of recovery to those who crew and support you. So all you need to do is go to playonrelief.com, add two bottles of play on to your cart and use the code BOGO at checkout. That's BOGO at checkout and you get buy one, get one free there. You can check the show notes for those details and that website as well. DM me once you try it. I'd love to hear if you're liking it and I can't wait to see you all play on. All right, everybody, let's get into the episode, and thanks so much again for listening. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and I'm super stoked to have this guest on today. So we've been in touch for, you know, uh few months now, just going back and forth on Instagram, always hyping each other up and everything. And um, got to meet him for the first time yesterday or actually two days ago. It seems like a one day like weekend at Black Canyon. But this guy not only did the 100 mile challenge at Black Canyon, which if y'all aren't familiar with that, it's running the 100K on Saturday, which is not an easy 100K, if you ask me. And then it's going back right out on the course and doing the first 60K of the course again the next day after too, and um, doing it in a back to back way all totaling 100 miles. So our guest did that off the past weekend as well. But not only that, I mean, this dude is a very, very accomplished ultra runner himself. He is he was on the national team for the United States at the 24 hour world championships, um, too, like very, very recently, which he compete, competed overseas on, which is great as well. Um, he's won multiple, multiple ultras, which, uh, in 2023 as well, he won the beyond limits ultra. He won the nanny goat, a hundred miler, the cool moon, a hundred miler. And by the way, if you aren't familiar with the race schedule, that was April, May, June, and then July, he ran burning river, which those conditions were nuts and still got a top five finish as well. I mean, this dude is just oh, like really, really fast. He gets on the podium. He has great results. But I think the coolest thing about this guy, too, is not only is he fit, not only is he an awesome athlete, but man, he does it all, too, with a full-time job as a UPS driver, with kids, with the family. I mean, talk about inspirational, right? So... That's why I want to have this guest on the podcast today. He's also training for Cocodona 250, which I'll be towing the line with him on. I told him, I was like, dude, like you're going to leave in the dust out here. Like, my gosh, like it's been, look at your Strava has been nuts. So without further ado, I can hype this guy up all day, but I, I want him to do all the, all the, uh, all the, all the talking and good sharing and wisdom and insights from the show with no other than the one and only Jake Jackson. Jake, man, welcome to the Every Ultra Podcast. So, so grateful to have you on. Wow. Thanks, Joe. Um, if you ever need an extra job, you know, someone needs to hire you as a hype man, because that's amazing. <laughs> if I ever feel down, I'll just listen to this uh, beginning of this podcast again and feel much better about myself. <laughs> Thanks, dude. I'm glad to be here. Of course, man. Dude, it's well-earned intro, man. Like, seriously, I've been following along your stuff for the past year, and it's just been so, so good. And by the way, Cocodona, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll just keep saying the intro over and over again if we're sharing miles together. So it'll be, <laughs> it'll be the good thing, but man, it's just been so awesome following your journey. And 
I think what's just super cool, and obviously we'll get into like you balancing like everything when it comes to like the full time job and having a family and kids and like still like competing, you know, so well. But you have a very unique background when it comes to ultra running, which I think just makes it so much more relatable, which is cool. So uh, you didn't have a background, traditional kind of background into running, which a lot of guests on this podcast they say like, oh, I did college and cross country and like all this kind of stuff, but. You you don't have that traditional background, which I think is so inspiring. So talk to us a little bit about that and kind of how you got into this crazy sport of ultra running. Yeah, so I was pretty much just a, a ball team sport player growing up as a kid. Um, my favorite sport was basketball, but then I soon realized that I was not going to grow anymore. So that was not going to work out. Um, yeah, I went through elementary and middle school playing ball sports and then got into high school and, and discovered playing guitar. I did, I really loved music. I got really big into music. Uh picked up the guitar and pretty much stepped away from sports altogether and just followed the dream of being in a band. I played guitar in a band for a while, learned how to play drums a little bit. Did that for a while and then at the same time my wife and I we were having our kids and it dawned on us after our third kid that we were both kind of out of shape and that's what kind of sparked mm. the running thing. Just going to the gym getting you know trying to get back in shape and i just fell in love with running and one thing led to the next ran some half marathons marathons and i turned out i wasn't too bad at it and that kind of just fed into it even more so that's awesome it's so cool to see it just came from like a desire like hey i just want to like get out and get moving and like start to get healthier and things like that and it kind of spiraled into this thing so like when you started there was no like inclination of like you know I want to do this competitively one day. I mean, like, I mean, like, like I said before in the intro, like you competed on the world stage, like at a national championship level or world championship level, which is just incredible. But there was no inkling of that. Like, when did that, I guess, first start, like to say, like, I want to really be good at this thing, like, as opposed to just like, you know, lining up because because you're winning these things now, which is awesome. Yeah, I think it it started pretty early and it wasn't something where I was competing with other people. It's kind of like kind of what everybody kind of gets into it. You're just competing to see what you can do to yourself. Mm-hmm. And then you do well at one race and you say, well, maybe if I did this during my training, I could get a little bit faster. And then it just slowly progressed into the point where I was actually winning some of my local races or I, I was a uh, marathon pacing a lot during races. And, you know, people were, I was just meeting a lot of people who were like, you should try this race or go do this race. And you know, finally worked my way up to running Boston a few times. And I think just things just progress pretty smoothly over the years. And, you know, as you go on, you train a little bit harder the following year and you try to beat however many miles you ran the previous year. And yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of been my whole process of even getting into ultras. You you check off one box and you want to see what you can do next. And that's how it has progressed over the years to get into ultra running. Yeah, and then now you're towing the line at Cocodona, like which is going to be so so cool to see in May. So it just keeps keeps building on, like even right. you know years into your career, which is cool. Um, love to talk about Cocodona, but kind of taking it back earlier on to your ultra training, like I always love to hear kind of like the genesis of like ultra runners, like when they start from like going from the half marathon to the marathon world, because like going from marathon even to like to 50k it doesn't seem like a lot, but like there there are some differences and things like that what was those kind of first years in ultra running like and like what were kind of kind of the biggest lessons that you learned early on that really help you like now to this day like even in your career with the success you're having because i think a lot of the times with with runners and i can relate to this too is like those like first few ultras that you have like just a wealth of experience and a gold mine of experience so curious to hear like what that transition was like for you and maybe some like lessons or stories that you think about often that help you today yeah i think the biggest thing was just being curious. Um, you know, there's road marathons everywhere in the world, but they, you're just on the road and it's same distance every single time. And I think I just got to the point where I wanted to, I always loved being on the trails. I would go hiking with buddies, you know, not trying to run any of it, just going hiking, but we would go hike up to this top peak close to our house and be on the top and be like, wow, this is amazing. And I always hated coming back down because it was always so slow. And so when I had some other friends that were like, let's go out and, you know, run some of these trails. And I started following them because they were training for 100 milers and 50 milers. It like opened up this whole new world to being able to see things 
so much faster because you're running most of the time. So I think, yeah, that's really the thing that sparked the whole trail running. Um, my first 50 K I had come off, I think some pretty good marathon training and I had no clue what I was doing out there. I bumped so hard, uh, was definitely not taking enough salt in, taking enough fluids in, cramped really bad the last probably 10 miles of that race, but learned a ton and it just fed into me being more curious about how to fix some of these things. And that's the beauty of like ultra and trail running is like you can think going into a race that you got everything so dialed in and something else will just a curveball will come out of nowhere and you're just like left thinking, well, crap now now what like how do i fix this so yeah i think it's just that curiosity that's kept things fresh for me mm, that's so good yeah i love that because yeah i think everyone experienced like exactly what you mentioned right you go through an ultra you're like i got this plan dialed down and then all of a sudden like something pops up right like either you get a blister or your stomach hurts or like that one piece of nutrition that you nailed in training just all of a sudden is disgusting like out there right it's like all these little things that kind of stack up that you know are new lessons along the way and i think that curiosity piece is really really good I'm, you know, curious for you just kind of like in sticking with like the theme of like the early ultra days as well, right? Like I know you mentioned like keep being curious and things like that. Like we have a lot of people who listen to this podcast who are just kind of getting into the sport and I think, you know, it's super cool that like you got into ultra running kind of later into your career. It's like what are some things that like you would suggest for people who are maybe just getting into the sport or maybe thinking about getting in the sport like a little later that have helped like for to you to be really successful, like in there too, that, you know, maybe our listeners can kind of take away if they're relatively newer into the sport. Yeah. I mean, of course it's going to be different from everybody just from the training that they're coming from. But I think I took things probably a little bit slower, uh, building up to maybe doing some of the hundred mile longer <laughs> races. I, you know, yes, you need to put in the training and yes, you need to get a little bit of experience to have a good experience during some of these longer races. But I think I probably took too long. I, I wish I would have jumped into doing these longer, you know, 100 mile races, you know, a lot quicker. Because it seems like now I meet more and more people who don't even go through the marathon, half marathon, all that route. They just say, I'm going to sign up for 100 mile. And I think that's incredible to be able to do something like that. And it just really just shows you how capable the body is to deal with some of these longer races and no i'm not telling you to like go from the couch to <laughs> signing up to run 100 miles the week after you know we're not we're not doing the david goggins thing here so yeah i mean just like going back to just being curious like don't don't be so afraid i guess to sign up for something that's really long if you don't finish it you just come back and try another one you know you i've learned so much just from pushing myself out of those comfort zones, you know, fail or succeed, you still are going to learn something from it, which translates into all aspects of your life. So I think that's probably like one thing. Just don't get so hung up on, I need to do all these things before I jump into some big race. Just sometimes you just got to dive in head first. And that's kind of what leads us to Cocodona. Like, you know, I have no clue what's going to happen out there, but I'm going to do it anyways. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I love that piece of advice. And I think, yeah, I've noticed that too, similar to what you mentioned. Like there's so many more people now, I think taking a more, I don't want to say aggressive, but like expedited timeline to a hundred milers, which is like super cool. Cause I mean, I'm sure that this like was the same with you, but like with me too, it was just like hundred miles. Like, oh my gosh, like that's going to take me so long. I need to do X, Y, and Z first. But like to your point, yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. There's just so much great information out there now, you know, social media and the books that have written out that tell you how to, you know, problem solve some of these things where you're not doing it on your own anymore. You can just follow somebody on Instagram and get so much information just from that. Yeah, hundred percent. You put out great information too, which is like super, super cool. Like you put out like a, a post the other day, like talking about how people can, you know, improve their running, how they can improve like their consistency. So it's so cool to see like you are also giving those tips. And by the way, Jake's a great follow on Instagram. Also too, if you want some inspiring and, and also some funny stuff too as well. So Jake's a good follow. Definitely, uh, definitely give him some, a follow for that. But you mentioned Cocodona and kind of like pulling on that same thread, like 250 miles this is like technically the longest you've you've gone before in a race is that correct that's right yeah how do you approach that like how do you wrap <laughs> your head because i I mean hey you and me in the same boat brother so like i yeah. <laughs> how do you approach because i mean like you have like a, a lot of experience more experience than i do for sure like and you know you're not 
if a stranger to doing back to back like tough efforts. Like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, doing that 2023 hundred mile challenge where you were just doing hundred miles like each month too, winning these things by the way. And um so like you're not a stranger to like these kind of back to back long days, but like still 250 miles long. So how do you kind of wrap your head around that? And how do you think of that approaching a race that, you know, is further the distance than you've gone before in kind of one race, so to say? Yeah, that's that's a tough question. I mean, I, I mean, just for instance, I, I did this double this past weekend at Black Canyon with the sole purpose of doing something I haven't done before, which I think will correlate perfectly to what Mm -hmm. hopefully, you know, some of the problems we'll experience at Cocodona. Um, But yeah, I think, you know, I was telling my wife signing up for Cocodona, I'm probably more nervous about doing this race than I was for my first hundred miler. It's, Mm. it's just such a huge thing. I've watched the live stream the past three years and, you know, I've talked to several other people and it's just, I mean, I've done 24-hour races. I've done one 48-hour race. And even those things are such a, a huge departure from just doing your typical 100-mile. Because, I mean, typically I can finish, you know, under 24 hours. But to now do it possibly three or four days in a row, um, it's just r- really something hard to wrap my brain around right now. And I think the closer we get, the more prepared I feel like I'm going to be. Um, yeah, it's just some of the logistics that I haven't really figured out yet with the crew and the support van and, you know, pacers, you know, I, I'm not very good at planning some of that stuff out. Uh, my wife is usually the one who has crewed me in the past. So she knows me really well. And then especially last year, uh, she kind of had enough of crewing for me. So I was doing a lot of these races by myself, which added in a lot more experience of how to problem solve on my own. So I think it's almost like my Cocodona is going to be almost like my my graduation class from all of the years of training. <sighs> I'm putting everything that I've learned over all these years into one final test. And hopefully I pass, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. And it, it's, um, it's really cool to hear that too. Cause like, I, I agree with you. I'm also very nervous as well, but it's, it's cool to see like, you know, I think everyone can, there's, there's always a normalcy to get like a little nervous before like that first distance. Right. Like you mentioned, like, like, I, like you were nervous for your first hundred miler. I was nervous for my first hundred miler. Like I'm also very scared about Coconona too. Like, and to your point, like I'm more scared of this than like my first hundred mile either. So like I, I can relate to that. And I think it's a very like easing thought for a lot of people. Cause like, you know, they can see that like everybody, no matter how far you go can have that like kind of impact as well, which is cool. But I mean, like, I love that you did the hundred mile cha- challenges training. Me and Finn were talking um, from single track, like before the podcast and we we're like, damn, this would have been like perfect training for Kogan. Like Jake has it right. Like, damn. Um, what were what was that like? I guess that that even I mean, we're literally a day removed from it, like which is it's just so funny. Like, what was that like to do the hundred K? Which as I said before, not an easy hundred K. Conditions also made it rough this year. For those who don't know, too, there was a two and a half hour delay due to snow at the start. It was muddy as all hell in the beginning and was pretty freaking cold, like both um in the mornings of both races, so to say. And so how what what was that experience like this past weekend? Talk to us about that. Yeah, I mean, the, the initial thing that drew me to Black Cannon is uh, 2021. It was my it's my only DNF. I've, so I had to come back at some point. I knew I was going to. And then looking at registration, when I saw that they did have the hundred mile challenge thing, I was like, oh man, this is this is perfect Cocodona training. You know, go out there, redeem myself from the DNF from two or three years ago now. And like basically come back and do it all again the next day. Like that's perfect. And it's on, you know, part of the trail yeah. that I will be seeing granted it, it was in the opposite direction, but yeah, just to revisit that whole s- scenario again. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, it seemed like it was just a perfect storm Saturday morning. Uh, the two guys that I was staying with, uh, one of which was also planning on doing the double um, we all got up super early, got down to the, 
you know, take the the shuttle. And of course, right when we pull in, I get a text from my buddy. He's like, yeah, they just pushed it back two hours. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and we were staying at one of the cabins at uh, Bumblebee Ranch. So it was it was about a 35 minute drive. So it was literally would have been dumb to drive all the way back. So we basically just camped out for <laughs> two hours in our cars in the parking lot, just sitting around waiting. And then about 10 minutes before the two hour delay, we got wind that, oh, we're going to delay it another half an hour. And I guess the delay was due to the the road conditions. The bus drivers mm-hmm. did not want to drive on the roads, which is totally understandable. I'm a truck driver. When it rains, it's the worst thing to try to drive around in. So yeah, so we got on the bus, headed up there, and I think the buses literally got to the start area 10 minutes before the start line. So it was it was just a mad dash. Get out. Uh, I had not dropped any of my drop bags off, so I immediately went over there and took care of that. Found a bush, <laughs> to, you know, <laughs> used the restroom before the and literally sprinted up to the start line. And, you know, I usually like to start on the front because I have my camera and I like getting the whole beginning of the races and so i was kind of squeezing in there and jubilees counting down like a minute before i get there and i I haven't posted the video yet but she says go and i take off and i tripped over one of the timing mat wires that was oh my sticking up and so i almost started the race doing a superman dive into the mud that was all over the track and yeah luckily i caught myself thankfully but that's how my race started (laughs) so not ideal but i guess that's perfect like training for something 250 miles where everything could be thrown at you so yeah and then the whole beginning of the race was just you know obviously everybody takes off the leaders sprinted off we're all running you know low seven minute pace which is of course way too fast you know most of us shouldn't be running that fast but yeah it was it was a wild like first 15 minutes of that race and it stayed pretty wild for a while (laughs) oh my gosh yeah i remember like um just seeing like the front pack on the live stream and i was like oh my gosh and it was so funny like one of my friends like uh he mentioned to me, he was like, that is borderline irresponsible. Like, and I thought it was like the funniest thing ever. Um, but man, like all those things, like even just the delay and all that stuff, like, of course, right. It's, it's, um, you know, like you get there and you go back and I think like over your experience of ultras too, like I'm sure you've had your fair share of just like unexpected things that pop up and you said it really, really good. Like in 250 miles, like it is inevitable that not just one thing, but multiple things will go wrong what do you what were what was going through your mind like how do you how do you kind of like calm yourself down or like at least just manage it so like that it doesn't throw off because like i've heard many times in stories where like you know things go wrong all the time and sometimes it gets to people's heads right like and they you know it you let it get to you like and those things like how did you kind of reorient your mind to know that like not only like did you have to go 100k but you had to go also 60k the next day like and how do you in general i guess like curb unexpected problems that might come up like in any ultra scenario yeah i mean i think it's weird to say this but i think a lot of my success just on the mental side of ultra uh, ultra running has come from my work Uh, i mean when i worked in, in as a package delivery person before i'm doing what you know the job i'm doing now it's a lot of just problem solving you know figuring out where the box is on the shelf that you're you need to deliver next and it's just constant like one problem after the next you know oh i missed the stop here i need to go back and you know it's just that constant like back and forth nothing is planned out throughout the day and i think for whatever reason that has translated well for me dealing with some of those stressful situations during ultras like i sometimes they do get to me obviously but for the most part, I think I, I'm able to problem solve pretty quick. And, you, you know, once we got off the high school track, you head down through a neighborhood that's all paved. So you kind of got a chance to mentally reset. And I kept having to tell myself, look, you have, you have 38 miles to run tomorrow. You do not need to be pushing this hard. So I, I just kept telling myself, let people go past you. They don't have to run tomorrow. You'll be fine. Just let them, let them go by. And then when we finally got on the trail and it was 
literally ankle deep mud that we were tromping through for, I would say at least six or seven miles. It was just, it, it never let up. There was points where I was looking down at my shoes and I couldn't even see my feet anymore. Like my shoes were just completely gone. Everybody around had mud splashed all up their backside everywhere. And I can't believe that I did not slip and fall not one time. And I was really worried. I had a um, a perennial tendon injury that I I kind of flamed up or it got a little bit flamed up after um, my race three weeks ago at Coldwater Rumble. So I was kind of like worried that I was going to step wrong and that was going to re-injure that. But yeah, I I, I just think I'm able to process things just from past experiences, I guess. I I don't know. once we got through all the mud, things really started to settle in. I found a good pace and was able to just stay consistent most of the rest of the day. Yeah. And dude, I love and appreciate that answer so much because usually it's kind of the flip side of things, right? Where people say like, oh, ultra running helps me to be better at work. But it's so cool to see you like, hey, no, I'm taking like the work experience and I'm translating it to the ultra, right? Because like, I think that's such a cool way to kind of even just look at like, you know, the work that you do is like ultra training in and itself, which I think is, uh, is super, super exciting and cool. So I think, uh, I, I really appreciate that answer a ton, man. I think that's rad. And I definitely want to talk like about like, just kind of like the work life balance or work run balance, I should say with like the running and stuff. So definitely bring that up later, but you know, I love also the patience that you had in the race too. Cause like for 200 miles, like having the patience is going to be utmost of importance, right? Cause we right. got a long way to go, which is super cool. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And by the way, for, for those who don't know, as Jake mentioned, the, the cold water race, this wasn't the cold water 40 K this wasn't the cold water 60 K <laughs> this was the cold water hundred K and he won the thing too, by the way. So, uh, <laughs> mind you very quick turnaround, which I think is, is super, super cool. How, what was it like, I guess, like coming like on that period, maybe towards the end of the first 100K, like, I mean, because that's a rough section of the course, like the probably roughest section. I mean, like most of the climbing is pretty much in that last section. It's chunky. Obviously, it got dark way earlier than what anyone was expecting because of the delay, like knowing that, like, do you even think about doing the 60K at that thing? Does it even pop into your mind? Like what's what what was kind of going through your head in that last section? Yeah, it was definitely in the back of my mind, um, especially when the sun went down. Um, thankfully for whatever reason, I had packed a headlamp and I just threw it in a drop bag. Just, you know, you never know what's going to happen during an altar. And I mean, I had planned to be done before the sun even went down. So I just threw it in there just in case I, you know, twisted an ankle. I could just walk it in if I needed to. So I did have the headlamp. Thankfully a lot. I heard a lot of stories of people that did not have anything that were planning to be done before the sun went down. And they were using their phone lights to get through that last bit. But thankfully, um, I had a friend that lives out there, CJ. He came out and paced me. He was there right when the sun was going down. And he pulled me the last 12 miles to the finish. And, you know, going back to the thinking about having to run the 60K the next day, I, would, I was hoping to push that last 12 miles because it is, it is technical, rocky, but it's downhill. So I was hoping to make up some time on that last bit. But I was also very worried about catching a toe and falling and possibly not being able to run the 60k so i was being very very cautious descending that last bit and i you know yeah it's just another example of not having ideal conditions and just powering through and getting it done and yeah the last couple miles i was telling cj i was like man i i just want this thing to be done I'm, i'm thinking about i'm gonna finish this thing i'm gonna need to eat something i'm gonna need to get back you know, the 35 minute drive back to the place we're staying, try to get at least a little bit of sleep. And yeah, I just, you know, you just power through these things. When you're that close to the finish, you just got to get it done. So and worry about everything else afterwards. Oh man. How much hours of sleep did you get in between? <laughs> well, I kind of did it to myself, but I got done finishing and Chris Warden, who was on the live stream with AJW, he comes out and he's like, dude, if you want to get on the live stream right now, we'd love to talk to you. Get so out. I ended up going over there and talking to them for 15, 20 minutes and oh. had a great time and, you know, <laughs> loved doing a little mini recap right there while the race was still going on. Uh, and then so after that, you know, they had shuttle buses to take us back to where our cars were, you know, parked earlier, um, got some food to eat 
made my way back home and I think I, I had brought my uh, com- compression boots and I sat in those for about 20 minutes and right around the time that I was about ready to go to bed, my two roommates came in. So we kind of caught up a little bit on their races. I think I ended up getting about four and a half hours of sleep, which when I woke up the next morning to start getting ready, I, you know, you do that, like swing your legs out over the bed and yet kind of, uh, how's it, this going to feel? And I stood up and I was like, wow, my legs actually don't feel too bad. So that, that was a very like positive moment for me. I was like, okay, well, I think we're going to be all right with the 60K today. So yeah, wow, Dude, I couldn't that- believe it. Yeah, I was about to say, like, how did you feel after cold water? Was it like similar, or was it like, how did you feel after that? Um, well, I had that tendon flare up, so oh, yeah, I yeah. was definitely limping around a little bit. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I learned a lot during those those five months doing those hundred mile challenges. Yeah, things to eat afterwards, what not to eat afterwards, how to you know take care of myself with just like compression boots the ice baths the sauna so i learned a lot during that time and so that's like benefiting me now with uh recovery mostly you know i I try to eat pretty low carb after races just stick with um usually Mm. i just get like a hamburger with no bun and just eat that um so that's what i had there was a wendy's close by so i ended up getting like a a baconator or something and just chowed down on some protein and yeah I don't know. And then the next morning, it was just my typical uh, peanut butter and jelly bagel sandwich that I always have before my long runs. And it was just like, it, it surprisingly felt like I hadn't even run the 100K the day before, which was wild. <laughs> that is so wild. And yeah, I was going to ask if that experience doing all those hundreds last year kind of had a play into it. And so I kind of have like a two kind of prong question on that is like, the first thing is like, what what is like the kind of like i know you mentioned like some things briefly like you know eating low carb doing like sauna and things like that but like what's like maybe like take us back to that 100 mile like kind of consecutive kind of months that you were doing like what was kind of like your protocol like like in a little bit more detail and the second follow-up question is like are you going to be integrating any of that during cocodona be like with like the multi-day thing so kind of a two-pronged question on like that recovery aspect of things like both like post-race and then in cocodona's case like intra-race yeah um a lot of this stuff I learned with the the low carb stuff was stuff Jeff Browning has been playing mm-hmm. around with for a long time. He usually goes two two to three days after a hard effort, just really low carb, um, getting in lots of protein, uh, staying away from like the beer and you know the you know I used to do that all the time. You finish a race, you want to go eat a pizza or go get a burger and some fries and have a few beers. And I've just found that a lot of the the inflammation that I get, especially around my ankles, just doesn't come back usually. If I can mm. prolong the celebration stuff a couple of days, like I'm so much better off and I get back to training so much faster. I don't, you know, maybe it's just me. I don't know. I've heard a lot of other people say the same thing. So, um, yeah, if you have problems with, you know, having cankles after races, that might be you're just eating too much inflammatory foods afterwards. It's causing it to prolong it. So, and then like during Cocodona, yeah, that's going to be a, a a good question. I'll probably definitely uh, uh probably use uh I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. I'm definitely going to try to eat a lot more real food during the race. Obviously, mm-hmm. stay away from you know not stay away. I'll definitely be eating my fair share of gels and stuff. But yeah, maybe just use more protein. I guess shakes. You know, when you're sitting around in between, you know, aid stops. Um, yeah, that's a whole other thing that I'm, I'm going to have to do a lot more research on and just test runs, I guess, on the weekend, some of those longer efforts just to see how my body feels, you know, maybe go out for a a long run at night and then sleep for an hour and eat some, you know, have a protein shake and see how my body feels. And yeah, I mean, that's the beauty of doing these crazy things is you just, you keep learning more and more about what works for you and what doesn't. So Hey everybody, just want to take a quick break in this episode because I partnered with a company recently that has just been a game changer when it comes to clothing and apparel that I'm wearing on my long runs. And the one thing that I get frustrated with when it comes to running gear or apparel in general is when it doesn't last long. Whether it rips, tears, or just wears away, it sucks to have to keep buying new stuff. Plus, doing that 
isn't sustainable for the planet. But I recently started trying this gear that lasts long, has a five-year guarantee, is super comfortable, has extremely fun colors, which is so important, right? And helps to support clean water programs around the world. The gear is from Janji, and you gotta check them out. They make high-performance running apparel, such as shorts, tanks, shirts, jackets, and more, all built to explore the world on the run. Not only do they have a five-year guarantee where they will replace any product that wears away, but their stuff is super comfortable, breathable, and easy to move in, especially in the winter months when you're bundled up a ton. Plus, 2% of their sales go towards nonprofits working on viable clean water solutions, so it's a way to give back and feel good about where your money is going. They have super bright colors and artwork designed by talented artists all across the world, so you'll stand out on the trail, which is, like I said, one of the most important things. My favorite products have been the Transit Tech Short and the Run All Day Tee. I like the Transit Shorts because they're lightweight, easy to move on my runs, especially when I'm climbing hills or doing faster efforts because they don't have a liner. And when you don't have a liner, I feel like you can move around a lot, lot better when it comes to doing these faster efforts on the trail. And I love the Run All Day Tee because it feels like you're barely wearing anything out there, which keeps you really, really cool on a hot day and doesn't feel like you're overwhelmed on a cold day as well. So it feels like you're not wearing anything that's holding you down. So I 100% suggest you try out Johnji's clothing. And if you're looking to test drive it, you can get 10% off your order when you use the code EverydayUltra at checkout at johnji.com. That's spelled J-A-N-J-I.com. Or you can go to the link in the show notes directly. Use code EverydayUltra to get 10% off your order. And if you're rocking Johnji in your next adventure, let me know and hope you give them a shot. Go to johnji.com and use code EverydayUltra. All right, everybody, let's get right back into this episode here. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for 200 miles too, because like, I'm sure like you've kind of figured this out too. Like just by listening, there's like no playbook for it. Like, I feel right. like, like, like the way that like Mike McKnight does it is like different the way that like Joe McConaughey does it. And the way that Joe does it is like way different than like, you know, how like Eliza LaPierre does it or like how Coop, right. It's just like, it's so different, which is just like such an interesting game with like these 200s because like I haven't found like a, a true and tried playbook yet, which is just no. absolutely wild. And don't even like, don't even ask about sleep right now because I have no idea what oh, I'm doing with you any of that either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the same. I'm on the same yeah. exact thing as you, man. Like I've, I've heard, started... <laughs> yeah, so many different like theories and strategies, and I was like, oh god, it's just too much. <laughs> yeah, man, it's like a whole different ball game with the legit. Like you even said it best. Like the logistics of it is just like, and that can make or break your race. Like I mean, right. I was talking with someone like, and they were saying that like they ran a very similar time to string bean and um like did but like like running wise but like aid station time and like stoppage time they were like way way more which like basically like added on like so much time into the race and it's like wow like that stuff can literally like make or break whereas like you know an aid station and like a hundred miler yes it can like make make or break your race but like it's a very mostly negligible kind of difference relative right. to a 200 which is nuts yeah i mean i one thing i'm i've definitely have been focusing on just on some of my weekend longer runs is, you know, I like to run, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I can spend 24 hours running around on a track and this is not that, <laughs> you know, it's going to be a lot more hiking, uh, a lot more just slow, slow miles. You know, I, I've gotten to the point where I, I hate looking down at my watch and seeing like a 14 minute miles. Like that's going to be fast for Cocodona, truthfully, you know, it's going to be like the 18, 19 minute miles going up some of those climbs, which mentally i'm gonna have to just tell myself like this is this is what it is this is part of this whole thing so yeah <laughs> yeah man 100 percent. because i was gonna i was gonna definitely ask you that question because like you are a fast dude like i mean like your 100 mile pr is definitely like it's impressive it's fast and even like too with that 100 mile stuff like like just kind of saying some of these times here right so beyond limits 1528 nanny goat right after that 1552 uh cool moon 100 mile like sub 24 1924 which is the third 100 mile burning river 1740 like these are not like slow times like they, they, and like you're doing these consecutive which is good so i was gonna ask like i mean obviously like you know you mentioned like going slow is like kind of a hard thing how do you how are you putting the patience to go slow? And like, also too, like, I mean, I'm, I'm very much the same boat as you. Like I love to run. I love the flatter stuff. I love letting it rip. And yeah, like I agree with you to me, it's, it's been tough for me too, just to kind of pare it down a little bit. How do you have that patience to go slow? And the reason why I asked this question is because like, if anyone's like interested in 200 mile or is coming with similar backgrounds as us, like how can they apply it? But also too, 
I'm sure you know this too, like some people just maybe run a little too fast and that's nothing on them. It's just more, you know, kind of like things that you learn in ultra training. So how do you approach that patience to like go slower when I guess you're used to running like much faster in the other kind of styles of training? I mean, I think I, I demonstrated some of that to myself this weekend, just yeah, holding back a little bit on the hundred K, you know, some of the climbs I, I knew I could run of them, but I was telling myself, just hike up this stuff. You know, you need to save yourself for tomorrow. And I think the way that I was able to run the 60K the following day showed that I did a good job with that because I almost ran the entire 38 miles and I felt amazing climbing. So it just kind of showed myself, you know, you can see everybody else telling you, you need to do this, this, and this, but until you do it yourself, you know, I'm kind of hard headed in that way and stubborn. You know, I think I learned a lot just from this past week and I'm like, yeah, it slowing down is going to help you over the entire race. So if I can just keep reminding myself of that and not, you know, and I was also trying not to worry about what anybody else was doing in front of me, the people mm. that were passing me, I wanted to latch on with some of those people. But like I said, I had to tell myself, you have a whole other race. These people are just, they're going to be done. And then, you know, that's it. They get to go home, go to sleep, do whatever, you know, so you needed to save yourself. And that's probably what I'm going to be reminding myself. I mean, especially with the field looking the way it is right now, so many fast people, you know, so many experienced people, I'm going to have to really just, you know, if they're, if they're going to go out fast, just check myself and say, no, dude, this is your first time. You need to like figure this out. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's a good like reminders to have. And it's cool like to see you get that like instant feedback too with seeing the 60K the next day and feeling good and stronger. And like, especially in that kind of race too, like you mentioned, where people were just going out just so freaking fast and like reminding yourself of that. And so it's so cool to see you not only take that into training, but also, like you said, like the field is stacked. Like we have basically every winner coming back, like, which is just right. wild. <laughs> and there will be people going out like hard, even if, you know, I mean, like, that's just how these things go. I mean, I've seen some people in these 200 miles, like start like clipping 645, which like, if you want to talk about like borderline irresponsible, I think that's just like incredibly irresponsible. Um, but uh, regardless, I think it's like cool that you're having that patience, like to have that reserve in there, which is awesome. Talk to us a little bit. I, you know, I'm actually really curious because I want to circle back on this because I know I kept mentioning it, but like the time, you know, it takes to, to train for like a 200 mile race. This is another thing too, where I've seen very different things, but like you're putting in some good work. Like I think for four weeks in a row, if I'm remembering the Strava correctly off the top of my head, like, yes. And by the way, I have been looking at your training. So uh, <laughs> we'll fully admit that, fully admit that. But, um, you know, you put in like four weeks in a row of a hundred mile weeks, which is like pretty, pretty cool. A lot of time on feet. Like I believe around like 15, 16, 17 hour range, if I'm remembering correctly, you're also working a full-time job too. And you have kids and you have a wife. Like, and so the question to you, my friend is how are you getting how? this in? Like how, <laughs> yeah. how are you getting this in? And so, and the reason why I ask this question is most people listen to this podcast have a full-time job. They have a family, they have kids and like, they're curious to hear these things. So how the F do you get this all in? <laughs> uh, uh, well, I mean, I'm not pulling down Andy Glaze numbers, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, I have basically during my work week, I have a, a basically a block of time, two hours every morning. I get up usually around 4.30 and, um, you know, I don't have any other time. Basically, if I don't get whatever run, running I'm doing during that two hours, it just doesn't get done because most of the time by the end of the night, I'm tired. It's the time that I get to see, you know, my family for a little bit before heading off to bed. And I guess it's just... Uh, I, you know, we're in a space right now with our kids being a little bit older that they're not as needy. And a lot of the times they don't even know when I'm not there anyway. So it's like, it's not, it's not that big of a challenge. And, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful that my wife, she is an ultra runner. She's, you know, she's totally supportive of what I do. And she understands the drive that I have to compete and get the most out of myself. And, thankfully we're just in a good space right now that I am able to put a little bit more time. And I think, you know, the family just knows that this is what makes me happy. You know, when I'm mm -hmm. not running well or not running, you know, or competing or getting ready for a next race, you know, I'm just not, I, I'm kind of a bummer to be around, I guess. <laughs> and yeah, it's just, you know, dedicating that time and just being consistent and 
I mean, I did a post, you know, a couple of weeks ago. I was like, it was raining outside. I was tired, but it's just like, you just got to get out there and do it. Cause those are the days when, you know, you push through the hard times and that's going to come back and pay dividends later on during races when things suck and you don't want to be out there anymore, but you're just like, well, this is kind of common. Like I've done this so many times that it's just, it's just what I do, I guess is the easiest way to say it. it's just what I do every day. You know, a lot of the guys at my work, you know, I, I've kind of turned into the, the health fitness guy at my work for whatever reason, they got wind of me doing the 24 hour championship last year. So I'm always like the guy that gets singled out at our meetings of, like, what are you eating, Jake? Like, how many miles did you run today? And it's kind of cool because a lot of those guys, you know, they don't live healthy lifestyles, but they see somebody who's exactly like them doing the same exact job that they're doing. And it kind of sparks a little bit of encouragement or motivation for them to, like, maybe change their life around and try to live a little bit healthier life. So it's it's kind of cool with, in those regards, too. So, yeah, I mean, you just you just make a plan and you just execute it every time. No, yeah. no, uh, no, you know, no, no BS. You just do it. Yeah. And I love it. You, you said something really cool is that like when you do this consistently over time, it just becomes what you do. Like, it's not like a negotiation. It's not like, a you know, uh, am I doing this today? Like, blah, blah, blah. Like you, you phrase it so well. It's like, this is what we do. And it's like, right. that's just so cool. And I love that post that you had that went out there too. The other post that I really like, which relates to what you said, is it was a post of you. You you ran, I believe this was the cold water. I, th- I think it was cold water if I'm remembering correctly. You did cold water, won the race, and then you're like, yeah, right back to work like the next day on the Monday. And like, I saw that and I was like, damn, like that is like awesome. And like, of course, a lot of other people think that's cool because it's like, you know, like again, like, like here's someone who's competing at a world championship level and like coming back. Cause you, even when you came back to the States, you did go right back to work too. Right. Was that, was that yeah. also the case? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I pretty much, you know, we don't, we don't go on big family vacations. We're, we're trying to do that more now, but you know, I don't usually get sick. So a lot of my sick days are me calling off on Fridays to go out to a race. And like, this is, I'm on vacation this week, which is a rarity for me to have a race and then be off on vacation, you know, the following week. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I mean, even if I didn't have the vacation, I, I, it doesn't bother me to go back to work. It's just one of those things, you know, bills got to get paid. Stomachs need to get fed and you just, you just do it, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. And how do you, I actually got this question from, um, you know, a listener that kind of came in and I, I I gave my response, but I'm curious to hear like your thing too. I mean, like, how do you like manage the, I guess, like fatigue from just like maybe work and things like that too? Like, or if they're like the mental things and all that stuff. Cause like, I hear that a lot from some people too. It's like, oh, like, you know, I'm at a job all day where I kind of got to think like you, you're on the road, like, you know, you're driving around, like doing all this kind of stuff. Like you're getting in and out of the car. Like how does like the mental fatigue of work ever seep into training? And if so, like, how do you kind of deal with those things? Like, I'd love to hear that. And this was inspired by, by the way, like, if you're the listener who wrote that in, thank you for inspiring this question. So um curious to hear kind of your POV on that. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I'm I'm not dealing with um the package delivery side anymore at UPS. Mm-hmm. So I'm 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 mostly sitting. Like I, I drive oh, okay. the diesel tractors and I'm just pulling around a trailer from mm-hmm. you know, whatever customer to back to our hub. So that was a big transition for me. I went from being on my feet all day long trying to run at a you know pretty decent level it's sitting more so you know i've had some problems with my hips my sciatic nerve flares up occasionally that's what happened at at worlds last year i had some problems and it's just trying to get up move around stay active while i'm sitting at the at my customers pickups but i think the mental side is just i think being able to run every day that's the thing that kind of clears the slate for me Mm. you know I feel worse the days that I don't get to run and, you know, be out on my own in the mountains, on the roads, wherever. I think that's my way of resetting, you know, all the stress, getting rid of some of that. And, you know, I tell my coworkers all the the time, you know, they think it's odd that I'll get up and run, you know, 10 to 15 miles in the morning. But I'll tell them, look, like, that is the hardest thing I'll do all day, no matter Mm -hmm. how stressful my work is, I've already done something that's way harder than that. So I already start the day off like 
hard part's done. Like everything from here on out is just cake. You know, we get stuff thrown at us all the time at work that are stressors, but I'm like, I've already gotten rid of all my stress for that morning. So I'm good for the rest of the day. So, and you know, some of them are just like, you're just crazy, whatever, you know, but that's how I deal with a lot of that stuff. So good. I love the phrasing on that clear in the slate. Like it's so cool. Like, because like you go through a whole day at work, like you're, you're sitting around all day and then it's like the next morning, it's like, boom, clear the slate, ready to go for the day. Like, I think that's awesome. Curious question for you. Do you feel like the sitting versus like the being off feet on day? What do you think was more detrimental? What do you think, I guess, is more harder? I shouldn't say detrimental, but like harder to circumnavigate in the training. Is it more being on your feet all day or sitting all day? Like I'm super, super curious. Yeah, definitely being on their feet. I mean, I have uh, another coworker. He he loved being in package and he was also training at a pretty good level. But we both agreed that, you know, there's a saying that we have your easiest day delivering packages is your hardest day in what I'm doing now. It's it, there's like no comparison between the two. Mm. Yes, the sitting all day kind of sucks and it's monotonous, but yeah, I mean, I think I'm running better now being able to sit more often, getting more recovery in, you know, with my legs. A lot of the times, you know, I'll bring like one of those bands and I'll do like hip strengthening stuff or squats, you know, while I'm standing around and so yeah, it's definitely much better not being on my feet all day long. Yeah, no, and that's that's good to know too, just because like I mean, yes, like there's like the all the rage around like the standing desks and the things like that too. And even I'm doing like more standing like during the day when I'm working, just specifically for Cocodona stuff, like not like, you know, health. It's just more so just getting used to the time of feet. But like I think that's like one of the big things. Like it's why you see like a lot of times before like a race, like you usually see like the the pros or something, they're usually out of there and they're usually like feet up somewhere, like just chilling right. before because that time on feet can accumulate too. Um so yeah, no, I was just really curious to hear that. So yeah, I think the sitting stuff and even just like those exercises, like when you're sitting, like is actually a interesting thing too to to hear on there as well to kind of do those like in and out, which is which is super, super cool. Kind of just uh also just like flipping back to to Coco training as it kind of goes, like what is like kind of like you when you think about like your roadmap for Coco training, like what is it from kind of here till now? And the reason why like I asked this question too is like, you know, someone kind of approaching this for the first time too. And like obviously I'm also curious as well, training for the race too, but like how are you kind of approaching like these next few months? Like, cause we got about 12 weeks until Coco donor. So like maybe a little less than 12, 11 weeks, um, which is crazy to say. Um, but, uh, <laughs> what is kind of like your roadmap kind of look like for training from here until, until the big dance here in uh, black Canyon city? Yeah. I think the one big thing, um, I've, I usually don't run with poles. So that's been something I've been incorporating quite a bit mm-hmm. lately. Um, so it'll be a lot more just, especially on the weekends, getting out, uh, using those more often, carrying a heavier pack. You know, I, I, I typically always use handhelds, but now I'm starting to, you know, use a, a pack that's weighted down with water, kind of simulate what we're going to be experiencing out there. As far as training, um, I'm planning on doing a 74-mile FKT probably next month sometime when it gets a little bit warmer out at Joshua Tree. It's one that I've done a couple times now, and I'd like to go back and revisit that. It's it's got a lot of the same kind of uh trails, rocky, rugged kind of trails and some nice runnable sections too. So, um and then of course I'll be coming out in April to do the you know 37 38 mile beginning of the course, which I think is going to be huge getting to see that whole section. But yeah, I think it's just going to be, you know, just getting out there and training every day, trying to simulate a lot of the 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 diversity of that that trail is going to have i mean you were going from desert all the way up into the pines which is going to be wild and uh yeah biggest priority is just going to be staying healthy and staying you know injury free and just trying to absorb any information that comes you know i'm hoping to get a couple uh runs out with andy because he's completed the course you know all three years got training out at moab and yeah (laughs) it's just going to be taking it all in yeah that's awesome man and yeah and, that, and that's super cool too how like you're you're fitting in the fkt is like a bridge to like the goal too because it is similar right self-supported you're bringing in a lot of crap you're making it happen too and so that's super cool that you're bridging that in there and also learning from people and even just getting the course experience too which is great um 
kind of like zooming out and like the more broader thing, right? Like, I, you know, like in the podcast, I always like to talk about training. If like you were to think like, and you can also think about this in the context of Cocodona or any kind of race, when you think like, what are the most important principles for you in training that have led to your success, like over the past few years, like what would you say, like, or maybe like some of the most important principles, like for someone who's listening, who's looking to like, you know, take their training to the next level or like someone like you too, who's, you know, they, they have a full-time job, they have a family, they have kids, like anything that you think would be really, really crucial training principles that you've learned over your years of running that can help our listener today, like really level up their endurance game. Yeah. I mean, I've kind of always had, uh, kind of a, a similar, like thought process with raining, uh, running ultras. It's kind of goes off of what Sage Canada says, you know, any service, any difference or uh, distance. And I think for me, I can't just do one type of race. You know, I dabble in, or at least I try to dabble in everything. And I think that's what's kept things super fresh for me. I mean, I went through a, a long block just training for 24-hour worlds. And as soon as that was over, I was like, I need a good six months of just doing hard mountain trail, you know, getting back up in the high elevation and doing all that. And I mean... I'm signed up for Desert Solstice in December. So after yeah. Cocodona, it's going to be like, okay, well, I did that for a while. Now we're going to get back on the road, back on the track, try to build some of that speed back. And I think that's been key for me over the years is just keeping things fresh, not pigeonholing myself into one discipline or one distance or one type of ultra running. I mean, there's so many different roads you could go down in ultra running. It's, it's pretty crazy. And I mean, I'd even love maybe next year seeing if I could PR in the marathon again, you know, mm. I, you know, I, I would love to see if I could run that fast that I did, you know, seven, eight years ago, just to say I did it, you know? So, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I, I always think it's just, I, I even think about those things like, man, like what if I like went to the marathon distance, right? Which is almost like shunned for some people in the ultra thing. They're like, Oh, <laughs> we only do like over, we only do more than a marathon, but I think right. it's like cool to like add in the variety. I love that. Like, yeah. and I, I mean, that I, was something I love, that, like, I, Okay. I love running on the treadmill, you know, I love it. I love it all, dude. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> well, I was, and that's like what, uh, like, uh, first of all, that's awesome. That's one of the things I've really respected about you is that like you shake it up, right? Like, it's like, I'd known you as like a, a, a faster runner for sure. But like, when I saw you were signed up for Cocodona, I was like, oh, dude, like, this is so rad. Like, I just like, and like, even like people like Arlen Glick, who's, I mean, granted, he's yeah. fantastic at hard rock this year, but like, even so he's known as like a flat, relatively flatter runner and he's going to be out there at Cocodona more like actually I should say hundred miles specialist for him right and so yeah it's cool to see that kind of like people like yourself doing that and kind of going to it um how I'm, I'm and maybe this is like more more I'll, I'll make it more general right because we don't we don't probably can't really always tell the future but like when you're kind of pivoting from you know thing to thing right whether it is from mountain to flat what or you know Cocodona to desert solstice or like whatever how do you like shift those different training modalities or like what are some like tweaks you make obviously you want to like make it more like specific to the things but like does the training look the same does it look like very similar does it look different like how do you how do you kind of mold your training to to the challenge like if it varies in any sense like when you're going like from race to race in those scenarios yeah i mean since i have such a short window during the week to run it's usually either straight out my door you know, running either on the roads up to it. We have a, a nice uh, set of hills that's about a mile out, out from our house. So if I'm doing more trail mountain specific stuff, I'll just run straight up to the trails and do it there. And if I'm doing more track 24 hour type stuff, I'll just cruise the streets, you know, um, during the Monday through Fridays on the weekend is usually where I start getting more specific with whatever mm -hmm. I'm training for. And like I said, I don't, I don't like just doing one thing. You know, I will definitely mix in trail running. It may not be so much vert, but I will, you know, we have enough variation in the area that we live in right now that I can run on flat trail, even though I'm, I'm training for a 24 hour race. And I think, you know, like I said, it's been key for me just to keep things new and not repetitive. I, I hate going out the door and running up the same street every day. I'll go purposely and run the opposite direction and end up at the same place just so I don't have to go down that street all the time you know so I, yeah for me it's just the variation is what keeps me interested in in running every day 
I like that, man. That is awesome. Yeah, the variation because like sometimes like the monotony can just be a lot. And like that's what makes it like exciting is like all like the things you can do in running, which I think is just such a beauty of the sport, which is which is awesome. And, you know, kind of speaking about like the years and, and kind of like the before I ask the last question, which, you know, on the podcast, that uh, the question for Everyday Ultra, but like kind of capping this whole conversation off, like, you know, the things that have kept you like excited all the years too, but to kind of bring it back to earlier in the podcast, it's like, you know, you, you came into this like relatively like, you know, not in a non-traditional background. Right. And like, I'm sure like you get similar messages. Like I, I get them all the time too. It's like, Hey, like, you know, I'm at this point in my life, like, is it worth getting started? Is it worth kind of doing these things? What would be your biggest piece of like motivation or advice or like, you know, things that, you know, if that person's kind of thinking like, maybe they are running, but they're like, and eh, like, I don't know if I can do a hundred miles. Cause like, you know, maybe, maybe I'm just at the point of life where it's not there, but like, you know, there is a possibility they can do it. What's like your biggest piece of advice, motivation, tips that, you know, that person, you know, could, could hear in that situation if they're listening in? I think the big thing is just, you know, when I, when I started running, if somebody would have told me that I'd run for two U.S. teams later on in the future, I would have been like, you're crazy. Like, there's no way that's ever going to happen. I was a terrible track runner in, in school. Like, how, how could that ever happen? And it was just the simple fact that I just stuck with it. You know, running is hard, you know, and it doesn't matter how much you love it or hate it. It just, it's hard sometimes. And it, it does get easier, of course, but then that's where you just keep adding on to whatever distance, however fast you do it. That's what keeps, keeps making it hard. And I think that's so key for people to not like settle on easy. I think mm -hmm. a lot of people just find their groove and stay in it. And I mean, if that's what brings you joy, you know, having that life, great. So be it. That is not the way I want to live my life. I want to be able to, if I can't run another day, I'll find something else that's hard to do. I just think, you know, being able to push yourself out of your comfort zone all the time is it's kind of what just makes us human i mean life is not easy running is not easy but we do it every day anyways so oof that that last line was so good man like life is not easy and neither is running so we just do it like that that gave me chills man that was awesome <laughs> no i i love that man and i like how that too like how you you mentioned like that if someone told you be on like the two world championships, world teams like by now like it, you would have thought it was crazy which is like you know similar to like if someone i mean like right like for us like with 250 miles like you know if you probably told both of us that we were doing this early in our <laughs> running careers we would have been like what the hell right yeah. but like we probably said the same thing about like 100 miles and like all those things as well and it's like once you keep like leveling up and like um i think it's just a cool thought to have and like also something that i think a lot of people can you know see that like hey like we all have these scary thoughts at once when we came into it and so it's normal to have them and uh you know, I definitely have for Cocodona. Like, and so, um, I think it's just a thing that makes, you know, you really relatable. And I think it's why you, you've amassed so many people who follow you along on social media and who have liked your content and shared your content, which by the way, everybody, please follow Jake on Instagram, on socials, on all this stuff. He has so much great content I'm running. I'll put a link to his social in the show notes, um, follow along and stuff. Like seriously, it's, it's super, super good and really inspiring and motivating and also has some funny stuff on there as well. So, um, he's a great great follow so please please uh follow along jake's stuff so uh, you're the epitome of it my friend so <laughs> epitome of you know just a, a positive force in this running community and for the last question you know the question coming up too so you, <laughs> yeah. you've had some time to prepare but as always you know the show is called everyday ultra our ethos of the show is helping our listeners be better nerds at these every day and you've given us tons of great information on how people can be better nerds athletes whether they're training for their first 200 or you know first fixed time race or anything like that. But further question for you, my friend, what can our listeners do every single day to be better endurance athletes? I mean, it, it's pretty cliche, but it's, I, I know just in my own experience, being consistent is hands down the best way to improve in anything in life. You know, if, even if it's going out two days a week to run, just do that every single week and you will get better. There is no 
special training plan formula or anything that, you know, there's not one single workout that's going to make you better. It's just getting up and doing it as much as you can. You know, of course you want to not overdo it, you know, in huge leaps and bounds, but just be consistent is, will be the biggest benefit. So good. I love it. You mentioned that too. And they're saying like not one workout's going to lead to your success because I feel like so many people get caught up on the longest run or like the workout or like that's going to change the game. But you said it best, my friend, like one workout isn't going to change the game, but it's mo- it's those multiple workouts brick over brick over time that when you stack up is going to lead to that foundational house to that ultra goal that you're going for, man. So and if there's anyone who lives the consistency, it is you, my friend. Seriously, it's been awesome following your journey. It's been so great having you on the podcast, man. I thoroughly enjoyed this chat and um, super stoked to toe the line with you in, uh, in, in 12 weeks here at Cocodona. And um, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, dude, it was my pleasure. I cannot wait to share many, many miles with you out in Arizona in May. It's it's going to be one heck of an adventure for sure. 100%. Our for these us two first 200 mile guys. We got to we got to stick together here. <laughs> yeah. For sure. <laughs> awesome man. Appreciate you.